This is the climate change story that no one ever talks about, and I think it's really important, which is depending okay. on where you live in the mm -hmm. world, varying degrees of heat and humidity yeah. and so on, and class, I guess, affluence and all that, has an effect on your feelings about leather seating, right? Because if you live oh. in a hot place, you might get sticky. Okay. Uh, to me, the stickiness of you know being in a humid place like Texas is outweighed by my self-perceived class superiority by being able to hang out in, Stephen, a leather yeah. seat. A leather seat. So, you know, it's like this is the discomfort from being the cultural top dog. Is yeah. my thought. It's not a popular thought. Well, also, I mean, sitting in a leather chair in Texas, I mean, that's like eating gelato in Florence, Italy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. You're yeah. right at the source. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, it doesn't have you to know? go far. Were you friends with like cattle cattlemen and their and their children? Related to them, you might say. Go on. What do you uh, mean? Yeah. My dad's family. We had family property in Hondo, Texas, which I've talked mm. about on the podcast before. Yep. And they would lease. That was just property, right? Just like a couple hundred acres in the texas thorn scrub is what we call it just like everything's pokey but yeah. they would lease that to area ranchers and in fact the cattle that they ran on that were the same as do you remember that story from i guess last week about the guy who was driving around with the bull in his car yeah i do that's called that a watusi bull with those yeah. giant horns these african cattle and so that's yeah. what would be on the property, just wandering around. It's hard to imagine fitting one of those into a Chrysler LeBaire, and I have to tell you. What was what was that cow doing in the car? That's how that guy carried it from place to place, I guess. What? That was one of those stories that it was clear that everyone involved, the writers, the yeah. editors, the photographers, and the entirety of the audience – was really only interested in the myth. They didn't want to know any more about it than um, than that a guy was driving around with his bull and the shit riding shotgun, and then he got pulled over by the cops, and the cops were like, you know, another day, another day, another day mm -hmm. in Hondo. No, that wasn't in Hondo. No, that was in I think it was in Nebraska, wasn't it? Oh, Hondo is cool as a name. I feel like if I were in middle school or something, right? Yeah, and uh, I went away. To summer camp or Nebraska. i went away to nebraska, I just, it, was nebraska. it was in nebraska okay yeah. if i were in middle school and i went away to either a summer camp or had like a magical summer outside of my hometown and i wanted to come back with a big rebrand mm -hmm. i'd come back and i'd be like my name's hondo <laughs> <laughs> yeah hondo jackson i mean that's hondo jackson name. that's that's me. That's the new. Yeah. That's the new me. Now, would you? You'd have to do it at a natural break or a sizura or whatever you call it, where, you know, like if you come back to the same school with the same people and you just have a yeah. new, and people are going to be like, no, you're you're little Stevie J. Would yeah. you be going from middle school to high school and everybody's like, hey, Honda? That sounds like the type of shit someone not named Honda worries about. That's. <laughs> I guess that's a, <laughs> Frankly, I guess that's a fair <laughs> statement. Yeah. Okay. I like this devil may care, Western surfer type of guy, Hondo. Let it like get in there. 
It's yeah. the first time you're hearing it. This is exactly what happened to me in middle school when I came back re- rebranded as a guy named Hondo. <laughs> Nobody knew what to think. And did you pull up in your Chrysler LeBaron with a bull with a big riding shotgun? Freaking bull. You're like, where the hell did you go this summer? How'd you learn to drive? <laughs> yeah. You're 13. More questions than answers. That's the way Hondo rolls. A stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. I think I just got travel in the brain, man. End Uh-oh. of the summer, you know? End of the summer, yeah. Get it in while End you of can. the summer. Kind of reflecting on all the travel. I didn't go do too much air travel. You do lots of air travel, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to be doing some tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, before you hop on the plane... Mm-hmm. I'd like you to do you and your fellow passengers a favor. Yeah, okay. You know when you are about to get into a hot tub in a hotel, there's a, there's kind of that... <laughs> yeah. There's like the one rule about getting into a public hot tub, which is if you've had active diarrhea in the last 14 days, it's, it's on you. Don't get into the hot tub. Right, yeah. There's a story that came out of... Well, I guess Atlanta, but it quickly made the international press about a passenger on a Delta flight headed to Barcelona from Hartsfield-Jackson. And um, this individual shit down the plane. Yeah. I think that's unfortunately the only way you can say it. It's the only way you can say it. I mean, there's probably a lot of different ways to say it. But maybe – so this individual had diarrhea so bad – that it created what uh, folks were officially calling a biohazard. That's right. Yeah, the plane and was going, and rather than going. just go the rest of the way, we yeah. have uh, wastes that are yes. possibly airborne, then that becomes it, a biohazard situation. The biohazard. plane had to yeah. turn around, Stephen. It did. Go back to Atlanta. Many like, hours later, uh, the, uh, everyone got back on the plane, and same plane, and... Tried it all again. Uh, apparently, it, the, some they got off the plane and then they they ripped up the carpet. This whole thing. Car- this was up and down the entire aisle. Right. Yeah. Um, and they were using disinfectant. And uh, one uh, witness said it just made every, the plane smell like vanilla shit. They disinfected the heck out of it and sent people back on their way. First, a couple things. First of all, this person must have been super sick. It would be really hard. Yeah. To be like really ill and have that illness sun- suddenly be like the joke of the world for three hours. Think about like the worst stomach issue you've ever had, and then you knew that like people in you know Azerbaijan or something were like laughing at you because somebody sent it to them on X, formerly Twitter. Yeah. When I hear a story like that, I revert to journalist mode, and I think about the editors who are even now assigning their writers to go find that person and see yeah. if you can get an interview with them. And like being yeah. the journalist who's like, I have to go find the person who was publicly, internationally sick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, it's a, it's, hopefully they don't find him and probably this person's going to hide forever. And, you know, well, they or, found, or they it's 2023, that. who knows? Maybe, you know, in next year they'll have a memoir shitting down the house or something. I wonder if this person was like, ah, rolling the dice. I, there's some grumbling down there. I'm just going to hop on. We're just going to see how this eight-hour flight goes. 
I mean, I think you, you're you're dealing with what I like to call sunk cost, Stephen. Like somebody was preparing to go overseas, probably yeah. on a nice vacation or home or yep. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they had to they had to roll the dice on that one. What are you gonna do? Not get on that flight and then lose all that money? No, that's the only I don't know. Here. What would you do? That's the thing I wondered. Yeah, now it's now it's Sorry, merely a story about human decision making. Just say <laughs> rather than ruining plane upholstery. Here's the journalist question. What is it about planes? If somebody had pooped the Walmart, yeah. I guess it wouldn't make news. No. No, because it doesn't have the ramifications of like a plane being turned around to go back. What if and someone pooped people, a bus? What? A pooped a bus. You pooped a bus? What if someone did? I, I did. Oh. I don't think it's I don't think it's national news. I mean, I feel like that probably happens every day in America. Local news. Nah. Maybe it's a maybe nah. we're just talking nah, about yeah. scale. It's the size of I mean, I, what makes it a story if we can break down why it's a story is there's yeah. a number of elements that are essential. One, people love stories about travel. That always mm-hmm. does well. Two, yep. people love stories about travel gone wrong. Three, yep. people love stories about people misbehaving subsection of that is body function and then you know how those things all roll together into this unfortunate collage of vanilla shit plane turnaround (laughs) that's what that is so you know that's why that's a story and you know there's it's 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 pretty lowest common denominator and uh, which is why we're talking about it at the top of the show rather than where it should be at the bottom yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know what it makes me think of, though. I mean, all of the the beneath all of the kind of uh, the childish, uh, immature interest in this and the the sort of weird glee at how screwed up it all is. Underneath mm-hmm. it is this this reminder that we are just these biological things moving through the world. We're yep. extremely fragile. Anything could happen at any moment, and you know. There but for the grace of God go we. Reminds me of another story, Stephen, that came out. A study in Science, the journal Science. Now, this also made the rounds, and it was about how somewhere between 800,000 and 900,000 years ago, the entire human population, almost the entire human population, died out. Like, how how far down did we get? I'm glad you asked. First of all, let me tell you the percentage, because it's really shocking. 98.7% of the population died. It's what they called an ancestral bottleneck, right? Like the number shrunk down so much that there was only a few individuals. And that number yeah. of individuals, Stephen, 1,280, they estimate. 1,280 people Wow, in the world. That's like bald eagle numbers. It's pretty bad. It went from, this is again according to this study that published in the end of August in Journal Science, scientists from the United States, Italy, and China had seen this kind of well-known gap in the African and Eurasian fossil record. And so there was this big gap, and their theory that they work through is that the reason that there's this gap is because there were no people around, because they all mm. died out. What do they think the people died of? The hypotheses include, not surprisingly, changes in climate, temperature, drought, and then possibly you know, change in the availability of mammoths and mastodons and those kind of things. Either they went locally extinct. This was before they went extinct, extinct. So they were still around in the world, but maybe they weren't where these people were. 
which was in Africa. But so went from 98,130 individuals, give or take, down to, okay. as I say, 1,280 or fewer, which is a severe bottleneck that happened um, somewhere around the early to middle Pleistocene, between 800,000, 900,000 years ago. Think about how many people that is, you know, like 98,000 was all the people in the world. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like a football stadium. Imagine it all is. the people in the world are Cowboys fans. Yeah. And then after this bottleneck, about 1,300 people or less, it's like the audience for a David Sedaris show. Imagine relying yeah. <laughs> on a David Sedaris audience to repopulate the entire planet. Those were good metaphors because they spanned a wide spectrum both numerically and culturally. Yeah, yeah. It also helps you to envision, you know, just how many people there were in the whole of world. Course. How did they come up with that number? That's a really good question. Let's see. They basically used modern human genome sequences and then compared that with the fossil record to figure out about how much genetic diversity there was. So it was a tool, according to Popular Science, a new method called Fast Infinitesimal Time Coalescent Process, FitCol. All right. Now, explain that to me. Yeah, explain that like you're explaining it to somebody who... Thinks I don't know a story about somebody pooping on a plane is cool. <laughs> Fair play, Stephen. <laughs> Quote, according to the study, an estimated 65.85% of current genetic diversity may have been lost due to this bottleneck. The loss in genetic diversity prolonged a period of minimal numbers of humans who su- could successfully breed and was a major threat to the species. End quote. So basically, right. if you look at the modern genome, it's contains the history of all the stuff that's gone on before there's all these different sequences and you can pull okay. out you can pull out events from the past based on how things combined and comparing them to older sequences that you have but you can sort of reverse engineer what would have happened at any given point but what everyone dances around in these stories and I didn't see much of it is whenever you see population bottleneck in any kind of biological literature that's usually associated with this loss of genetic diversity. Like, oh, it's a bad thing when that happens. It's never like scientists are Mm -hmm. like, this is great. It makes it easier to count because there's fewer of them. No, they're like, (laughs) that lack, that loss of diversity, genetic diversity is really bad because now you don't have as much information to deal with. You don't have as much possibility for variability and randomness to come in there. And, you know, a disease that focuses on one particular kind of thing can now wipe out everybody. So everybody's weaker. And, you know, you look at Dalmatians, right? It's just one example. They're very inbred. Yeah. They got hearing yep. problems. They got extremely bad attitudes. They yep. get into trouble all the time. Okay, so think about the fact that there's 8 billion of us, and we all came from this population. And we're all, yeah. we all came out of this bottleneck. Bunch of weird inbreds. Yeah, we're sort of the weird designer dog of the universe in that way, right? Is that what you're getting at? What I'm getting at is somebody shitting all over a plane is the least of our worries. <laughs> We're doing great by comparison. You know? That is It's crazy. amazing we made it. I mean, <clears throat> it's amazing we made it. We did make it. We're the, we are in some way, shape, or form the genetic ancestor of that, like, lucky... And I mean that, like, you and me on this podcast. Like, we're, we're somehow connected to that like original group of 1200 people yeah 
the Hondo gene. Or proto, Steven. early people. What's that? The Hondo gene is strong. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a real survivor. That's what makes you who you are today. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. See, you're getting, the, you're getting the Hondo culture. And I say that because the Hondo culture is, you know, all about things that kind of live forever. You know what I'm saying? Like th- that are very resilient, that, um, that, that, that endure many different epochs, be them, you know, species related or cultural epochs. Yeah. And that rather makes me think of your friend and mine, Stephen, Barbie. Just saw the movie. You did Saturday. I did. That's good. That makes one of us. How was it? It was great. You liked it. It was a good movie. Needs, like anything, like needs more dudes. I think needs more dudes doing dude stuff. What's that? Needs more dudes. Yeah, needed more dudes. Yeah. I went saw it with Laura. We went on a date. Um, I think it'll go down as as a very cool film that happened at a very unique time in our culture. Um, well, that's what I think is funny when you talk to people about the movies people will say i love it or it was okay or it was funny or there was a problematic third act or whatever which undersells the idea that and this continues to blow my mind it's the highest grossing movie in warner brothers history warner brothers which is not a young company that's crazy yeah yeah barbie has currently grossed 600 million dollars domestic close to 1.38 billion Dollars, Stephen, worldwide, which means Greta Gerwig, wow. director, can pretty much ride her ticket. So it'll be interesting to see what she does after this. But the takeaway from Mattel, which owns Barbie, the toy company, mm-hmm. is yep. we got to kick this IP production into gear. And so it won't surprise you, Stephen, to know that Mattel is going balls to the wall on digging up old IP and figuring out how to resurrect it, how to breathe new life into it, and how to make some more billion-dollar movies. The next big project, you know what it is, Stephen? Uh, I think they're going to bring back Bild Lilly, uh, who was the high-end German call girl that the body of Barbie was based wow. on. Wow, wow. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go yeah. make a really... This is true. Do you know about Mm-mm. this? Barbie was the inspiration comes from the sort of naughty German cartoon. No kidding. Um, yeah, build Lily, and you could totally see where the Barbie where it comes from. Um, so that's not the thing that's happening. Next. That's not the thing. No. We're not going to go German call no, girl German for the call next girl. Hot Wheels I was installment for of the franchise. Hot Wheels, Stephen, is the next big project. Really, Hot Wheels. Yeah. So they're, they're going to do Barbie for boys. They're doing Barbie for boys. That's right. They're doing Barbie for boys. You know who's attached to it? Timothy Chalamet. I mean, yeah, probably eventually. No, J.J. Abrams. (laughs) J.J. Abrams attached as producer. And he said when they were noodling it over, because obviously, unlike Barbie, which is a very specific thing that you can kind of do different types of stories with, but it's all very iconic. It's wrapped around this character. Hot Wheels is just cars. You know, we've already got Fasts and Furiouses. We've already got yeah. every kind of fast car movie you can imagine. So I think the question that J.J. was sweating over a little bit was, what's the angle? But apparently, at least according to an interview he gave to The New Yorker, he said, quote, then we came up with something emotional and grounded and gritty, end quote. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. 
What that? What is it? Well, we don't know what that means yet. He's. We don't know yet. That was just a tease. That's all. That's all he gave us, and I think that's all he got. And then you know, then there's been a series of strikes that have shut down production on it. I'm sure he's noodling away this. on the question yeah. of how do you solve the problem of cars doing car stuff. The point, Stephen, is that, like I say, Mattel <laughs> has no fewer than 45 different productions in the works based on all wow. of their IP, based on some of their most popular IP, and a lot of IP that's not that popular at all. There are um, 13 more films that have been publicly announced, including He-Man and Polly Pocket. Tom Hanks is going to be in one called Major Matt Mason, which is an old-timey astronaut toy that I think was the inspiration for Buzz Lightyear. Okay. A um, lot of others. Matchbox cars. The Viewmaster is somehow going to oh. get a movie. Who knows how that's going to happen. Oh, they're going to do a multiverse. They're going to have to do a multiverse. Yeah, that's right. It'll be a multiverse with the Viewmaster. I think that's great. For sure. I think that's true. But, Stephen, here today to close out this episode of Journos, I thought it would be fun. A far-reaching episode of yeah, Journos. <laughs> We've covered some ground today. We've covered some ground. We're going to cover a little more now. Got we're it. Enter into the brain-teasing portion. I have constructed for you, Stephen, a quiz about the future of Mattel-based cinema. Some questions for you, multiple-choice questions. And okay. I'm going to ask them, give you some options, and you're going to tell me which one is right. Throw some game show music in here. Sounds pretty good. All right. We'll call this Journos in the Hot Seat. Lay it on. This is true. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Remember Rock'em Sock'em Robots? You push buttons yep. and the robots punch each other and then one of the robot heads uh -huh. pops up and then you win. Yep. Get in a movie. Whoa. Yep. Who's attached so far to the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie? I'm going to give you four choices. Sophia Coppola daughter of Francis Ford Coppola doing her riff on Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Jonah Hill attached play one of the robots. Vin Diesel as a passion project. Or Brie Larson doing Lady Robots. So yep. A, Sofia Coppola. B, Jonah Hill. C, Vin Diesel. D, Brie Larson. Well, I don't think Jonah Hill is necessarily getting work at the moment. Unless they, they've rehabbed him from that whole surfing screen hot shot debacle mm -hmm. um i want to say vin diesel i'm gonna go with the I, I i'm gonna go with the hidden in plain sight vin diesel vin diesel let me see if yes. i let me find my buzzer and my ringer <laughs> correct steven it is vin diesel Woo! vin diesel's attached to both rock and sock the robots nice question number two steven you know american girl dolls they're Oh, dolls yeah. of American girls. My sister girls. was crazy about okay, it. Okay, good. Throughout history. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. American Girl Dolls Project has been announced. In this article, it's described in the very stereotypical way that people pitch projects as something meets something. I'm going to give you some options, and you tell me which one is the description that the producer right. used. Oh, this is fun. A, Little House on the Prairie meets Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> B, Booksmart meets Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. C, Aaron Brockovich meets Clueless. <laughs> or D, Sex in the City meets Lincoln. A, Little House on the Prairie meets Ghostbusters. Let me find the right button. I'm sorry, Stephen. It was 
B, Booksmart meets Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. That is how it was described. Wacky and fun. That is how an executive described the work in progress. Booksmart meets Bill and Ted. Question number three. Bass fishing is a toy fishing rod. Oh. Produced by Mattel. Somehow, because we're at the true end of history... Oh, they're going <laughs> to turn this thing into a gosh darn movie. Are these live action movies? Are these all films? I think it's too soon to say, but you can assume that something like bass fishing, based mm-hmm. on some of these descriptions, uh, it may be CG. Could be live action, Stephen. Could right. be River Runs okay. Through It Late. style. <laughs> it's getting cast into a movie, Stephen. Bass fishing, ah, toy fishing rod. It it's a toy fishing rod getting spun into a movie. What's one pitch that execs heard a treatment for this movie? A, a fish-out-of-water buddy comedy between a fishing rod and, yes, a bass. B, a father-daughter dramedy bonding over a mom's death and her love of deep-sea fishing. C, an intense sports drama about this cheating scandal and competitive fishing. Or D, a fish uses a magic fishing rod to catch a young boy and introduce him to the world of the reef. I think I got it. I think it's D. I think the fishing rod catches the boy, fish out of water, brings him into the reef. Going with D. Stephen, I'm sorry. Oh. It was C, an intense sports drama about this cheating scandal and competitive fishing, according to this executive, who then opined that it was an attempt, it seemed to this executive, quote, to Trojan horse a story that the writer actually wanted to tell into a conceit that might be green-lighted, which is not a bad idea. Which, what, what else is it about? A Mattel kids thing into a sports betting? Yeah. All right. Magic 8-Ball. I know you know Magic 8-Ball. Got it. Ooh, You're a yeah, woo-woo fun. kind of a kid, Stephen. Hey, now. Okay. Magic 8-Ball is becoming a movie. What's the proposed genre for the Magic 8-Ball movie? Going to give you some options. Magic 8-Ball movie. A, a horror comedy. B, a YA fantasy. YA young adult. C, a biopic. Or D, a sex romp. Which one is the Magic 8-Ball movie? I want to say it's either a YA YA or a biopic. Like, is there like... You know, is there like a te- is it like Tetris? But you know how the how the Magic Eight Ball came to be. Mm-hmm. YA seems super obvious. Horror comedy also seems obvious. I want to go biopic. Going biopic. Yeah. I'm sorry, Stephen. Oh it come on! Devised as a horror comedy from Jimmy <sighs> Warden, the screenwriter of Cocaine Bear, who wants to oh, nice. crank it out as a horror comedy. What am I at? Like two out of five? Uh, you have currently got one. One correct. You got one. One out All of. Right. Uh, we're going into the fifth. So, you okay. know, you're batting twenty percent. So this is the fifth and final. Now there's a couple more. Okay. Um, this is the okay, vocabulary I'm, I'm around. Gonna... It's just one question. Okay. It's vocabulary. What's toyetic mean? Toyetic is a term that was used in this article, bantered around by the execs. Toyetic. Is it A, movies and TV shows in which the story suffers because the toys don't seem to come to life enough? B, movies and TV shows that generate merchandising opportunities? C, movies and TV shows that encourage children to identify with toys in a pathological way, a newish medical condition? Or D, movies and TV shows in which everything is miniaturized? Well, I feel like 
mimetic is where you're like identifying with the like species and things around you and you know like you're taking on their form like a mimetic i'm just going to go with that it causes children to identify with the toys that's a great one unfortunately it's not the correct one oh but it's a great damn it you know what it is you are see i'm being targeted go on what is it i know how hondo thinks (laughs) you know how you're in hondo's brain hondo territory it Typically, was that's only Hondo wants to be B, there. B, movies and TV shows that generate merchandising opportunities. The execs are <sighs> Gosh, thinking about how just... to sell toys based on a movie about a toy. More toys. Wow. It's the, it's the virtuous cycle or the vicious cycle, depending on how you look at it. Okay. Uh, there's Barney, Friendly Dinosaur, going to be a movie. What do we know about it so far? A, that it's produced by Shoei, the Godzilla production company, starring Matthew Broderick and one of the original Godzilla actors. B, that the production is currently locked in a legal dispute because rights are owned by the production company behind the recent child trafficking conservative touchstone Sound of Freedom. And who knows what will happen with that. C, Spielberg is currently attached to direct, working with the Jurassic Park ILM team, a version rumored to have some Jurassic Park crossover. Or D, Daniel Kalua of Get Out and Nope set to produce a surreal Charlie Kaufman-esque version of Barney. Um, I think it's the Godzilla version. That's a really good guess. It's not the right one. No! Yeah, sorry. Daniel Kalua uh. of Get Out is attached to produce a version that is, um, that is supposed to be this very surreal. Compared to it's being compared to the work of Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. This exec said we're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than fine tuning this for kids. It's really a play for adults. Not that it's R rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being thirty something, growing up with Barney. Just the level of disenchantment within the generation. Wow. Barney. Carrying all of our sins for us. Yeah. All right, last question. Okay. In 2010, director... I'm having fun. And that's the important thing. And I'm learning something. In 2010, director Ridley Scott signed on to direct a film based on a popular property. What was it? A. Uno, set as a gladiator-style film of fighting to the death with cards. B. Monopoly, set around a Trump-like character. C. Operation, a high-stakes thriller shot in one take about a life-saving surgery. Or D. Pictionary as an experimental interactive film to premiere on Netflix. Uno, Monopoly, Operation, Pictionary. Monopoly. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct, Stephen. It is correct. He was going to, even before Trump was, believe it or not, the president, Ridley Scott's quote on the matter was, greed becomes, hopefully, hysterically funny. He also thought that it might have a futuristic look. Going to dust off some Blade Runner. Stephen, thank you for playing Journos yeah. in the hot seat. Yeah. You did a passable job. Uh, your enthusiasm. Yeah, I know. You, I'd my, I certainly passed as insofar as I had a great time. So if that was you know part of the rubric, how much fun I had, how much I learned, mm-hmm. I got an A. Yeah. If we were looking at numbers, percentages of accuracy, yeah. certainly failed. Yeah. I would say that throughout the course of this episode, you passed through the bottleneck of ignorance and then mm-hmm. have now evolved into a higher level uh, intelligence. And you now know yep. what to do in case someone has a bowel-related emergency on a plane. Get off the plane. Get off the plane. 
And that's that's how we improve as a species. That's all I can say about that, Stephen. Yep. Stephen, this has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I'm Hondo. Okay. All right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Unpredictable when that guy's going to come out. Uh, no, I'm Stephen Jackson. You are Stephen Jackson. And we'll see you next time. Take care.